Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Janice. And this is The X-Files, a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. We are breakup coaches here to help you beat your breakup, heal your broken heart, and move on to an amazing, abundant life. Hello, hello, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to another episode of X-Files and another edition of our guest interview series. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why I like to say that each time, but um, we do have a very cool guest on today. Chris Gritty pronouns he, him of the nitty gritty and of TikTok fame. (laughs) And we are going to be talking with him in a very lively and interesting conversation. Um, He's also an emerging comedian. So it's, it's, it's very fun to listen to, I have to say, um, about what is narcissism, narc abuse, toxic relationships, etc. We're titling this episode Narcissism 101. Yeah. And we thought that October would be a great month to have this discussion because we it's, are yeah. Uh, I don't want to say celebrating. We're not celebrating no, this. We, but are, we are we're recognizing, we're recognizing. Um, and giving lots of attention to domestic violence awareness month. Yes. And And narcissism and domestic violence can sometimes be intertwined, though not always. You don't have to be a narcissist to be an abuser. Um, You can can probably be one and not cross over that line, I suppose. But yeah, you could be a narcissist that never (laughs) abuses anyone. Yes. Theoretically. Yeah. Um, Not not important, I guess, to get that specific. But, um, you know, narc abuse has become such a hot topic and yeah. a topic of interest I guess definitely we, a buzzword yeah yeah um so when Claire came across someone on TikTok who um is studying this and creating a coaching career out of it we thought we would have him on to talk yeah so Claire did you have any moments from the chat that really stood uh, out to you yeah I think you know it's I I'm always talking about this but you know someone can be toxic without being a narcissist. Someone can just be a dick without Mm -hmm. being a narcissist. Um, And so that's like a really important point. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think uh, it was really good to hear Chris's perspective on that as well. Agreed. Um, And I I really enjoyed how he said that diagnosing someone is not really all that useful and in fact when you cling to this title of narcissist it can actually keep you in kind of a victim mentality and prevent you from healing from your breakup and he really gave some very hard truths about that but ones that I thought were very important to to say yeah exactly it's like okay so you're you think that your ex was a narcissist. What now? Mm-hmm. That yes. that was yeah. a big point of his. It's mm-hmm. like, what are you going to do now right. moving forward? Um, mm-hmm. instead of just tying yourself to like victim mentality. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I thought I thought it was a really beautiful moment. I also really loved how we talked about the importance of um, you know, staying single and continuing to always, always, always work on yourself. Um, I loved it. Also. Um, you know, the problem with being too nice in in society and with dating, we're going to get into that. So we would love to hear from everyone about what they think. We are going to yes. drop all of Chris's info in the show notes. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, in just a word as well, mm-hmm. there were a little bit of a connection um, issue at the beginning, so you might hear the audio kind of be a little bit, you know, a little bit off, but push through it. It does get better, and it's a really good interview, and so we were like, we don't want to re-record this. We don't right. want to, like, you know, it, it's a really good, authentic, like, amazing flow. And so we're posting yeah. this with the audio. Um, it's definitely listenable. And, mm-hmm. you know, once yes, you get for past sure. the beginning part. Yeah. Should be um, good you know, go. sometimes with having guests, you know, call in from places yeah. like Hawaii. Yeah. Um, despite our best efforts once in a while, there are connectivity issues. Exactly. But I know I was listening to it last night. And Honestly, if you can just, yeah, like Claire said, yeah. push through, you're going to, I think this is going to be a really popular episode. Yeah, exactly. So we hope you guys enjoy um, as we like continue to build awareness for Domestic Violence Month. Um, and please let us know what you think of this episode. We had a lot of fun recording it and mm-hmm. we think you're going to really like Chris. Yes, for sure. Thank you to everyone and yep, enjoy. All right, welcome everyone to another great and exciting episode, guest episode of X-Files. Hi, Claire. Hello. And hi, Chris. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. I'm excited to have you. Um, Claire, do you actually want to say how Chris came onto your radar? Yes. I am a TikTok addict and uh, (laughs) Chris came across my page. Um, and we had been, since we began this like podcast, we knew that we wanted to address narcissism at some point, but we didn't know who to address it with. We Mm -hmm. wanted to have an expert on the show, um, who was like approachable and who also like shared kind of our point of view, um, on Mm -hmm. like personality disorders and, Mm -hmm. you know, throwing terms around which we'll talk about um but yeah. as soon as I started watching your stuff I was like this is the guy yes super she sent me the video and yeah. said well oh, you know he has a really cool perspective and now here we are a couple yeah. months later yeah and I'm like we'll never get him on he's like t- tiktok famous so <laughs> <laughs> you have no, had great no, success no. with tiktok do you feel excited about that Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I would be, I would, I would be kicking myself if I wasn't grateful for it. It was much faster than I could have imagined. Um, you know, I had sort of tried to sort of get things going on YouTube back years, you know, and talk, but it was, it was different. It was like, I wanted to talk about deep stuff, but I didn't want to know what I wanted to talk about. And I was still in these relationships. Yeah, I just uh, didn't really know. Well, I, and so I wasn't, that's what I mean. I didn't want to talk about toxic relationships because that obviously didn't come up, but I still felt like I had something I wanted to share. Like I had, oh, I wanted gotcha. to do something, but nothing was clicking or jazzing or vibing. And then when I had gotten onto these other apps, uh, particularly Stereo and Clubhouse, um, a couple of people that were supportive, there were like, you need to go check out TikTok, Chris. And I was like, yeah. isn't TikTok mostly for like, dancing shuffling millennials you know and oh my god wouldn't the dancing I, videos yeah and i you know wouldn't i sort of not fit in there and uh, she just sort of laughed and she was like just go trust me for once you know she's like a marketing internet marketing um, major so it was one of those things she's like it'll work and yeah. i 
wow, yeah. So I made, you know, I made these videos instead of like extending them to these 20 minute long things like I was doing on YouTube, which even for me was slowing my own instinctual pace down because yeah. I'm neurodiverse and all that stuff with ADHD. So I can, I can go, I can go, I can chatter, chatter box like crazy. Um, and I know that. So I was trying to counter that on YouTube. Whereas on TikTok, it's sort of necessary to get all the information in. Um, and so I was worried, obviously, you know, I thought, hell, if I'm going to be making a three minute video or even in the beginning, just one minute, how am I going to, how am I going to shove all this information in? And I know that if you're watching TikTok, you're only on there for 20 seconds max if it's boring. So how am I going to be interesting and talk about narcissism? (laughs) (laughs) And a bit light too, right? Right. Um, And and then my buddy Griff, who's a good friend of mine, roommate, he's always the one who reminds me to stop stop criticizing, which is his word for my overthinking. Um, And he was just like, just try it, man. Like, you know, you believe in what you're doing. So. Yeah. I did. And holy crap, you know, a summer later, I went from a hundred followers to 130 K. So That's I, crazy. I, yeah. yeah. Nice work. Well, um, along the lines of what you do, why don't you maybe define it? But then I guess more importantly, almost how did you arrive at, at what you do? I'm a, I'm a mental health coach and a certified cognitive behavioral therapist, but it began for me in the end of like 2019. Um, the fall really around September when I started studying cognitive behavioral therapy. Now at that time I was with who is now my ex-wife um, and I didn't understand why it was in a, it was a very toxic relationship um, you know, without having to get into too many details you can imagine. So I was being gaslit a lot. I was being devalued. I was being told that I was toxic, that people didn't want to tell me that I was annoying, but that I was. That's so that every time I was going, Right, exactly. Um, Mm. That, and I was constantly, and she got to a point where she had me almost believing that people had been doing that to me my whole life. They didn't like me, but they still didn't want to hurt my feelings, which didn't really make sense. But I had come to believe it. Um, And for so many other things, I had started to think that I was toxic. I thought that I had a sex issue because I wanted to have sex with my wife. Mm. Um, I thought I had all sorts of things, and you name it. And she had gotten me to that point, so I thought I was going crazy. Um, and I started studying to find out if I was crazy, if I was narcissistic, because she started throwing that word at me and I didn't really know what it meant. You know, I knew that for me, it meant the same, what it means to so many people these days. It just means like douchey and selfish and whatever. (laughs) I Um, can't wait to talk about it. Yep. Yep. (laughs) You know, but, but I, obviously I didn't want to be that. And I also totally believed like, if you're crazy or if you're toxic, you may not know it, right? Because I've met people who are completely not so like, am I that? Is that me? Mm-hmm. Fucking A, because I wouldn't know if so I started yeah. studying. And then as I'm studying, my brain starts clicking into all these boxes, like, wow, that sure sounds familiar, but I'm not there. I'm over there. Yeah. Oh, you know, like yeah. wow, like the phrases that people talk about when they start to genuinely talk about abuse from these kinds of narcissistic, that stuff parallels across a ton of different relationships. Mm-hmm. So you're like, Oh, and the first thing that starts to happen is like, I'm not crazy. It was like, ah, <laughs> huge I'm relief. Not. You know, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm trying hard to be a good person and that's fucked up. And, you know, and they're saying, no, if I'm not fucked up. You are. And you're just going, but I, and I know you're a good person because I want to be empathetic and understanding. So you can't actually be trying to drive me crazy. Like what the yeah. hell is going on? Yeah. Um, 
And that all led to me studying. And then, and then when I started studying cognitive behavioral therapy and I started really understanding my side of it, like my codependent habits from my childhood of where I was trained by my narcissistic mother. And like, you just start walking yourself back through your life and understanding yeah. so much more. Yeah. Um, before I knew it, I was just strangely hungry and passionate to understand more about this stuff because it made sense to me in a way that like when I started to explain it to my friends, they were like, you that make wow like i've never heard somebody say it like that before you need to you know it's like okay and that just spiraled into more of this and now tiktok and that kind of thing yeah but mostly i just do coaching sessions for people you know that's that's what i do and, and i work it, a nine to five job because i'm still like that you know I'm oh yeah. we're zero, on the but same we'll get man. into that <laughs> yeah well that's for like, like that's later in the questions i think yeah, we'll yeah. Get to that and part. it led to yeah. the dissolution of the relationship because you started studying yeah Mm-hmm. Right. I, I started seeing mm-hmm. the tactics. As soon as yeah. I started having someone explain anything, as soon as I started to really start to understand what gaslighting actually is, mm-hmm. and it was like, then I started to notice it. Not always, because I didn't realize how much I had been gaslit mm-hmm. until yeah. I started to peel away all the flipping layers. Because yeah. that's really yeah. when it's like, whoa, you know, like, wow, it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And especially if you're with someone for years. I mean, I'm still remembering things from my marriage um, he was definitely a gaslighter or I, um, things, you know, that he might've done early on where I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. And you're like, why did I stay? Yes. And I had a similar thing. I wanted to try and solve the problems in the relationship because he was constantly telling me you need help. You need help. (laughs) And so I went to therapy (laughs) and after just a couple months, even the therapist was like, no, no <laughs> and it's always nice <laughs> yeah really um, and that's really what is so great about therapy in general and i wish and i'm glad that the taboo is finally wearing off it really is because it's like the generational taboo makes sense from like the war hardened soldiers coming back from those like walk walk you know don't don't deal with your feelings keep pushing through don't quit muscle through man up that's all soldiers bringing that yeah. that mentality back now finally we're we've been at least safe relatively subjectively here in this country right that's why we joke about first world issues Mm -hmm. but like now we're finally saying okay hey maybe therapy's not crazy and that's really all it is it's like something to validate that you're not crazy a second cerebral cortex without any skin in your game for you to say am i nuts here's what's going on yes yeah i go you know, here's their thoughts on it. You know, they're not going to necessarily say you're not nuts, but still you get, you get (laughs) honest feedback instead of like loaded biased feedback, which is what you don't need. Yeah, exactly. Something you said earlier where it's like, you start seeing the signs everywhere. I think that contributes to what we were like mentioning earlier, which was like why we wanted to be really careful about handling this is we don't want to contribute to people just throwing this term around um, every time someone's, you know, just yep. like a dick. Um, <laughs> and especially in the context right. of right. a breakup. We have a good word. We have a good word for that dick. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> especially during a breakup, you're really seeing like kind of the worst of people. Um, and, you know, um, maybe where we could go from here is to talk about what is narcissism and 
um, really talk about how it is a scale mm-hmm. and we're kind of all on it mm-hmm. <laughs> on some. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but then possibly t- what is it, you know, clinically as well? Like really, yeah. where do you cross over to being a narcissist? Yeah. Right. Chris, um, I'm so excited. Lay it on us. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I'm ready. I got see, I, I, I came prepared for this one. So uh, the Mayo Clinic, because I didn't want to go Wikipedia and I've gone through a lot of other things when it comes down to definitions, but I sort of still trust the Mayo Clinic's definition of things, right? Because they're really trying to help people from my perspective. So that's just where we're talking yeah, for an authority sense. today. Uh, they say narcissistic personality disorder is one of several types of personality disorders. It's a mental health condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance, a need, a deep need for excessive attention and admiration troubled relationships, and a lack of empathy for others. But behind the mask of extreme confidence lies fragile self-esteem that is vulnerable to the slightest criticism. So when I say I agree, but I've also found it's a lot easier for us to understand it on on the social landscape level as this word we use for the toxic extreme side of the self-confidence spectrum. So life is about finding and maintaining our inner balance, right? And, and our balance with the world around us. So that's why all these spectrums, they're kind of like sliders on a soundboard or a video board when you, we all kind of know what that looks like, right? All these different lights and not, we've got all those for all our different emotions. And if you're too angry or you're too sad or you're too whatever, you're out of balance and things aren't clicking, right? And so narcissism is one end of one of those spectrums. The other end being insecurity on the extreme level, Yeah. right? So in the middle, is where that self-confidence and self-love spot is. But each of us have a different balance point on every single one of those stinking spectrums. Mm -hmm. So you have to find that healthy place between your insecurity and your potential toxic narcissism. And that's what we would call confidence. And and that's why I would say, if you pass over confidence, like that's, uh, confidence is believing in yourself. Arrogance is expecting others to agree with you. When it comes down to simplifying this idea of what narcissism is on a basis. And then when you take it and you go up to um, like the DSM-5, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Health Disorders, and we start talking about NPD or Narcissistic Personality Disorder, then you have to talk about the eight signifying markers of this. And this is like Narcissistic Personality Disorder is the clinical definition for the top end of that spectrum. Okay. Right. And to know that you're up there for another person to know you well enough to clinically diagnose you to be at the top end of that spectrum, they have to observe you, which means have sessions with you over a period of time and see these, these traits. And there's like eight signifying markers. It's grandiosity, exploitative, envious of others, sense of entitlement, preoccupation with success and power, belief of being unique, arrogance and domineering, lack of empathy, and this requires excessive admiration or like ridiculously needs compliments all the time. Uh, now, yeah, And that's the thing is it is ridiculous. If you've ever known one and I've known two, <laughs> you, you've yeah. never known anyone like this in your life. It's they so are over the top. deep sea compliment fishermen. Yeah. That's what they are. Like all the time, hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Compliment me, compliment me, compliment me. I'm awesome. Did you hear what yes. I did? And Let me tell you about me. Me, 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 yeah. me, me. 
It is so crazy. Yeah. And when you say that you've known two of them, like at least one of them, you know, was actually diagnosed. Yes. Yes. So I guess I shouldn't say I've known two because I I didn't ask the second person, but um, (laughs) yes, part of my story is that my, one of my exes um, was diagnosed when he was in rehab as a narcissistic personality disorder. And he came Mm. back and told us and um, we actually tried to coddle him a little. He told me and his mom, oh and we're like, God. no. But like, I, I have a question, though. I'm actually curious because I, I unfortunately haven't had the opportunity yet to have too many conversations with genuine narcissists. They seem to be avoiding me for some reason. Because um, <laughs> I'm, I'm genuinely like, yeah, please come talk to me. So somebody who's actually been diagnosed, um, I guess I would be curious. What did that diagnosis do for them like that self-awareness did it did it just become their past like that's why i'm this way they told me i'm this way and i'm stuck this way is that what that was supposed to be like now it just is a thing yeah i mean like i have cancer sorry yes i mean he wasn't a very self-reflective person i don't think he took it to you know as something to try and overcome uh whatsoever yeah he's like this is he thought he'd be an extra self-aware yeah (laughs) no 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 not at all i mean if anything, the behavior might have even gotten worse. You know, well, these people sort of don't give a I shit asked. what anyone else thinks. Yeah. That's why I asked. I was very curious because I've, I've you know, a few times that I've encountered, like I have a, a one of my coworkers, as a matter of fact, um, I suspect very highly uh, that he is based on my continued experience. And he asked me genuinely one day, because, you know, he basically said to me uh, while I was outside having a cigarette with him, he's like, well, enough of all the narcissism stuff on TikTok, Chris. Like, why don't you do? I'm that's ugh, let's try something else. And I was like, that's very interesting because you know, like thousands of people are saying not the same thing as what you just said. So, like, the fact that you're getting bored or irritated with it is something you should look at. I think, like, I don't, I don't think I'm done talking about it, but thanks for that. You know, and then little hints like that. And then finally, he asked me, like, you might be, bro, you don't really think about anybody else. And every time you ask me for something or you ask me for advice or you ask for something and I tell you genuinely, you go, wow, dude, that's deep. I totally get it. I'm absolutely going to change. And then the next day you do the same fucking thing before, like you never thought. And it's wash, rinse, repeat, like brick wall banging your head. So you are, man, because you're definitely pinging a lot of my instincts for them. And that was the most honest I could be without being rude. You know what I mean? It's like, but people don't ask. They don't ask. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. So, you know, that, that ties into like why we wanted to be careful around the topic and just, you know. Yeah. And also right. just that it's like become so isn't. over. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about what it isn't. What is it not? Right. <laughs> How many ways can we say this? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because it's absolutely, you're very, it's really important because what isn't narcissism is way more stuff than what is. Yeah. Like, astronomically mind-blowingly more like there's so many things that are toxic and not narcissistic that it's important to understand these distinctions yeah. that's why we make them that's what <laughs> yes. Mabel's wonderful wonderful and that's why i never refer to my ex-husband as a narcissist gaslighting right. yes for sure mm-hmm. but i wouldn't i would never say he was a narcissist yeah. you can I, I mean you can say you can even say i suspect that he was yeah but instead okay. of like without trying but as long as it's coming from a place of I believe 
then you're not trying to state it as some clinical fact of diagnosing it. That's yeah. where people are jumping over that line, that armchair diagnosis where, yeah, I know they're a fucking narcissist. It's like, oh, right. oh, they could be freaking bipolar or antisocial or psychotic or who knows. And or that's just, just being have extreme. One habit. Right. Yeah. Not I just think exactly. that- I'm just pointing other extremes. Yeah. yeah. I could just be yeah. idiots too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just not that's, like you. that's my situation if you ask I me. think that yeah I think that's actually the majority of the toxicity that we're dealing with in the world today it's not people who are actually narcissists we just you know now we're all connected through social media and we like clickbait and the news likes giving us toxic crap so it seems like there's selfish sucky people all over the place but the majority of people who are doing stupid toxic shit are you and me who are just a little blind to our own toxicity, stumbling through the world, trying to learn how to be better. So it's like, we got to chill the hell out. You slap a label on somebody and, and they're not strong enough to learn how to defend it. It messes, you know what I mean? Like you're yeah. almost like manifesting them to remain that way. You're a narcissist to somebody else sort of doesn't give them any wiggle room to grow. So it's like, it's it, dangerous. But also if we throw it around too much, it might not even mean anything to them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. You have- like you can be toxically codependent you can be toxically geez obsessive compulsive like there there are so many habits that can end up being when we talk about toxic or dysfunctional or disorder it's not about bad or good that's another thing where we do our brains do this ugly stupid false dichotomy thing because that's what brains do we want to simplify everything down to a yes or no right or wrong but it's yeah. like we're saying, everything's on these slider spectrums and there's a shit ton of sliders. So stop trying to measure other people's shit because how the yeah. hell can you? Like, yeah. it's tough enough to learn how to find your own balance points. That's why so many um, you know, therapists and, and coaches and stuff are constantly saying, do the work on yourself. Stop pointing the finger of blame on other people. Yeah, yeah what they did was probably inexcusable. Don't make excuses for bad behavior. You don't have to enable or all that crap, but get away, remove, do something so that your life is, you know, take, take the controller of your life in your own stinking hands and stop expecting the world to change or get safer or nicer. It's never been safe or nice. Just it's always been everything dangerous yeah. and amazing. Like life is adversity. <laughs> Every time, it's all, that's all it is, right? We just get better at dealing with certain kinds of adversity. So it seems easy. Like yeah. think about math before you learned how to do math. It was fucking hard. <laughs> I now, still don't know how to do math. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. You know? I think it's especially important in the context of a breakup because we hear so many people saying, well, my ex, he's just an effing narcissist all right, why are you telling us that? Why aren't you seeing what you can do to remove yourself from it? Mm-hmm. Why are you so right. focused on calling him a narcissist? Yeah. <laughs> and then we have, you know, people who are like, he was super or she or w- whatever um, identification that person is. They were so toxic. And, but I feel sorry for them. Oh me, yeah. Me. Uh. Like, you know, and it's like, hang on a second. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a big But you understand thing. why though, mm-hmm. just because society, our society, for whatever reason, and there are different ones, whether they be um, philosophical, spiritual, religious, sociopolitical, we have things we think are supposed to be certain ways, but the thing we all can be blind to is that there's a bunch of other groups that all think their stuff is supposed to be certain ways <laughs> yeah. and they yeah. don't match. Um, and we can be really blind to that when we're trying mm-hmm. to be open-minded about things, because what ends up happening is you end up feeling guilty for not liking someone. Oh yeah. Okay. 
right? That's why that last thing comes out of everyone's mouth. But, you know, I hope the best for them and uh, all the blessings. And I'm not, you know, like I'm sure deep down, deep, 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 deep down. Super deep down. (laughs) They're a good person and I hope them all the best. And I'm not saying that's wrong of us to try to be that um, generous with our empathy. Mm -hmm. But um, no, not to everybody. (laughs) But no, (laughs) I agree. Yeah, especially in staying in a toxic relationship. Right. We're yeah. enabling their bad behavior by being too nice. Yeah. You know, and, and, and what really blows my mind is all you really need to do, even if you're not a parent, is just dial yourself to the idea of like caring for a child and that child is acting in the same manner. Are you going to allow them to attack your empathy or mess with you or gaslight you at the same level? Because kids do. They mm-hmm. do. They try, but you're an adult. So you're like, ah, sucker, I'm smarter than you. You can't do that. Like that's yeah. like how it kind of, hopefully you are. Some of your kids are, you get really smart quick, fast, right? but that's <laughs> not the point. But when we get it to an adult, we somehow give it more weight, even though the action's the same, like a narcissistic explosion of rage is no different than a temper tantrum. Mm-hmm. We give it the reaction that we choose to give it. If we acted like, oh God, okay, get this out of your system. It would piss off that toxic person. But if we were not engaging in the same way that we wouldn't with a kid, because we're like, yep, nope, you're not like, I know what you're doing is dumb and I'm not going to enable it. I'm not going to encourage it. I'm not going to. You're strong enough to hold your own with someone whom you feel comfortable holding your own against. But when it comes to the abuser, you've already been like knocked down to this place where you have no defenses. So you don't know how to hold your own. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've lost that perspective, that filter, your boundaries. They learn to just dissolve the shit out. Yeah. You know, so it's more important to understand toxic manipulative habits than it is to label someone narcissistic or codependent. Like you just don't know for sure because it takes a long time to actually give a diagnosis. It really does. You know, it takes over time watching those things. It takes like you've got to be envious of others or entitled consistently, not just like one day when you're in a bad mood and you say something like, yeah, that's human. Yes. Or when you're pissed off because you're breaking up. Yeah. And you're like lashing out. (laughs) People are not usually rational when they're under a lot of emotional stress. Um, (laughs) If someone, if you were in a relationship um, with a narcissist, and I suppose I can answer this even myself, but um, would you know you know, because sometimes we speak to people who were in quite long-term relationships and only start bringing up this label of narcissist after they've broken up with the person. Yeah. So do you think that it would be possible to stay with someone years and not know? I would dare say that people who say they didn't know sure as hell suspected. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. I mean, I, I know I'm making sort of an assumption there because I, I think some people could be blind to it. Um, but the people who are genuinely blind to it would also be genuinely blind to the toxic upbringing that most likely them, that conditioned them to be blind to it in the first place. So it happened at home before it happened in their relationship. Yeah. And because they never be, hit that level of self-awareness, maybe they never had a rock bottom. Maybe they were a spoiled, like in a, in a little bubble and they moved right from that bubble over to here and everything was fine until this. And they have no defenses, that kind of thing. So yeah, some people could say, I didn't know. But as you grow older through experience, especially if they're, it depends on their isolation, right? If you're still going out to work and now we're able to connect out with things like this, isolation is getting a lot harder genuinely. It really is. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And that's why narcissists and other toxic people have such a hyper kind of control and watch your phone now because they know it's an access point for other information. Yeah. That's one key I always say in a toxic relationship, keep your phone locked. Even if it gets to, you start pinging any of those flags. In fact, from the get-go, I keep that phone locked. It does not matter why. It does not matter why you don't belong in somebody else's phone for any reason. However, I would say if you're genuinely trying to engage in a relationship, because I've had this counterpoint, that if you want to be open and honest and the partner says, may I look at your phone or showing a little bit of trust by handing them your phone when you're showing pictures or something like, like don't be hyper because that's also a warning sign as well. So again, it's just the balance points, right? We keep trying to look for these yes or no, all are good kind of like, yeah. if I know this hack, I'm safe. No, you must assess every time. It's about learning and calibrating and paying attention, which means you need to keep your eyes open even when they're really hot. Well, then along those lines, you're just <laughs> dropping truth bombs all over Boom. the place. <laughs> um, along those lines, what are the early signs? So if you would probably suspect narcissism out of your partner. Yeah. Or say you're dating and you're like on the dating scene or something mm-hmm. and it's still kind of. People it's are putting early. their first, yeah. their best foot forward. Um, so can you still tell even in the honeymoon phase, how can you tell, what would you say are some good signs to look for or red flags? Well, this is, yeah. this is a fun game that I often play with my clients because it's, it's one question that I get a lot because it's like, we just don't know for sure. I want some for sure kind of answers. Right. Um, yeah. But I've already, we laid out the eight signifying markers of at least narcissism in this case. So what I would put to you, what would be an an example of sense of entitlement on a first date to you? Oh, like being rude to waiters or something and wanting you to stay out longer than you want to. Yeah. And I will say, I can't believe that just came to me because that would have been a sign that I would have seen in my relationship is I remember early on, we'd be on the phone and even if it was late or I had to go to work, he would get mad and want me to either stay up really late on the phone with them. I remember once that they expect you, right. You, they make you feel like you're abandoning them. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. And they're terrified of abandonment. And they usually tell you that very early. Yeah. Cause then they want you to, that's that's like an empathy hook trap when it comes to baiting. When you think about it, boom, I have abandonment issues. Yeah. Cause if you do, which almost all of us do to some yeah. degree. Yeah, who we, wants to be abandoned? No one. Right, exactly. <laughs> so like that that's sort me. of a dumb term, you know? <laughs> so when they say that, that's like, if you're, if you're not careful, if you're not paying attention, you know, it's okay to say it, right? I would say it too. But if with that comes the expectation that you do something to deal with that, yeah. now we're moving into entitlement. Yeah, yeah, I have this issue, so you need to do these things. And if you don't, right. you're a terrible person. And what about and you? Do have, don't you? you yeah, do, don't you? We do. Well, we yeah, do. especially early on in a in a relationship. <laughs> yeah. when you're, I mean, I kind of wanted to fold yourself into some shape. Like, <laughs> That's oh, exactly what I did. It's not what I wanted it. to. It's what I ended up doing. Yeah, I love you. I love yeah. you. <laughs> what you need okay um yeah so yeah just being paying attention to those signs that might not be so little and I feel like 
when you're, when you're excited about someone at the beginning, you can kind of overlook these and kind of make excuses for people. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, I know the first time he got abusive with me, I finally came out and told my parents and I just immediately launched into, you know, his childhood yeah. Oh, this story. is why. And, right. And, yeah, and this right. is why. And so you know that what? you don't Everyone feel like you're trash talking him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I, well, I wasn't ready yet to, uh, yeah, yeah, walk away. But yeah, every single person who I told, you know, oh no, oh that's sad, and yeah, oh I've never heard anything like that before. Mm-hmm. You see, that's that's the trap too, because here's the, and, and I guess we can, you know, it's a little bit of a slide thing, but like the, there's different kinds of narcissism, right? Yes. And so manipulation comes from a lot of different directions. And that's something we don't always realize. Like we all understand the, the general idea of manipulation through like evil villains and shit, you know, like the, what we yeah. would call the classic or grandiose narcissist. Like we all have one person in our head and I'm not saying it's the same person, but like when we think of like narcissist like there's a you know oh i got a famous You're like that's a narcissist yeah. yeah that's the you know the movie villains the really obvious ones the ones who aren't afraid or ashamed of it but then there's things like covert narcissists now covert narcissist is the one who has all of those eight but they're instead of thinking they're the most amazing they think they're they think they're the biggest victim so in a way they're still the best they're still yeah. more important, more special, more of a victim, more, more, more me. More deserving of everyone else doing what they need and want. Right. You know, my life was hard, so you should be more kind to me. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I've, I've like, this was something I really wanted to talk about because like, you know, like you said, we can all recognize that one person who are very outwardly narcissistic. <laughs> But then um, is a covert narcissist like someone, you know, like they're like the do-gooder and they're kind of like always, you know, doing things on paper for other people, but it's in like a tit for tat, like, look how much I give way. Well, um, it's interesting because, and before I dive into these, I always want to make sure that I say this, when we're talking about the types of narcissism. Again, remember narcissism is on that slider. Like we can't get locking any of these things in, right? These labels have to remain loose. And the reason I say that is because covert, malignant, somatic, they can be all of them. And so can we. So it's not like they're just going to be covert. When you, when you can label someone a covert narcissist or whatever, it's like saying that's the style they favor. That's their Mm -hmm. favorite flavor. So they're more that per se than they are other things, but that does not preclude them flipping to one of the other ones and being like, oh, now I'm not sure they're kind of doing this. They're human beings. They're three-dimensional. Like we can't simplify them down to a black or white again. So I always want to say that before we start. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's exactly right. So having said that, um, what you're talking about is more of a communal narcissist, the do-gooder narcissist, the ones who, yeah, they're, the public thinks they're a saint, but at home they're a tyrant. Um, And that's because the only reason that they're doing good is because they want to look like a good person, not because it's coming from a place, like the motivation is slightly off. It's like they were a kid and they looked at all the things they could be, 
you know, I want to be a superhero. I want to be a good person. And they went kind of Machiavellian with it and just started doing all the mechanical side of it rather than understanding why good, generous, empathetic people do good, generous and empathetic things. So as they go about doing all these good deeds, which are good, that's why this one's a huge rub. Like they are actually doing good in the world, but they expect praise. That's their juice. That's their narc supply is people knowing what they did, not so much what they did. So it's more about spreading with people, this I've done and this I've done and this I've done. And it's true, (laughs) you've done it. Good for you, thank you. But the repetitive reminders and need for it to always be ongoing, like, you know, instead of moving on to the next good deed, they need a lot of juice from each of their good deeds. And if they don't Mm -hmm. get enough, their punching bags are their, quite often their families and they're the people who are closest to them, who know the truth, who they're at home going, nobody ever really understands how fucking hard I work and that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, Probably some religious leaders or cult leaders would be the classic example of this. Right. Right. But they also fit into like the spiritual narcissistic kind of aspect, which is another flavor. Those spiritual people who are saying, I am more at one with God than any other person. I am more (laughs) connected to the universe. I understand more. I am the best this or the most connected. I am your only path to salvation. I am your only way to be spiritual. The answer, exactly, which is like, yikes, run away. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. You know, but you've also got cerebral narcissists who tend to not be very sexual. They'll, they're very proud of how smart they are and they'll sort of remind you and give their credentials all the fucking time and just remind you constantly that they're a super hyper intelligent person and everything they say makes more sense and you should listen to it. You're just kind of like, okay, (laughs) you know, like they're very dismissive in that way. And that's where their sense of entitlement comes from. So you can see it's really about where those sliders are. Like if you can keep with me, cause I'll try to not go too deep. So you're on that, you're on the, uh, confidence slider right you're up in a narcissist worked out on mpd now break that out you've got a slider in there with all of those for all these traits so wherever all of like if you're extra arrogant and domineering and extra exploitative you're going to look slightly different as a narcissist than if you've got other sliders and you you get what i mean so again it speaks to this idea of how complex we are as human beings so we can't diagnose it's not about diagnosis. Yes, this is a PSA from the yeah. exiles. Yeah. Yes. not diagnose. Yeah. You don't need to. Usually if you're diagnosing, it's to go extra dramatic so people feel sorry for you. It's a victimhood yeah. thing crying totally. out. Totally. And that is why maybe it does come up in our work so yeah. much. It's because when you're in a breakup, you know, you yeah. kind of want people to, I guess, take your side well, and, in a way. And also, I, well, can, I can kind of understand because like if you're questioning yourself and whether like all this was really as abusive, especially how like, you know, in these situations, you feel very alone. You end up like a lot of times we hear about people recording conversations because they're like, things just get so twisted that I can't even keep it straight mm-hmm. afterwards. Right. Like, it's almost like when you finally accept that you have been being abused, you're kind of like, this is why he was a narcissist. Mm-hmm. Like, I am validated. Like, you don't make me question my reality again, basically. So right. I kind of understand okay. a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they need... That's exactly right. And, and I would yeah. go so far as to say quite often, if we're talking about long-term relationships, like the people, they might be right. Those people who have been abused can say, just like when I was reading off all those markers for you guys, you know what I mean? You recognize all of those markers. If you spend enough time with a person, 
they're not all of those things all the time, but they're all of those things sometimes at different times. And you, it's like, you get, you get memories of pings of them doing each. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, to a degree, you're right about your potential diagnosis. But again, it's just for you to understand what you were dealing with, like to have to sort of be sure about it and have other people validate that it is this labeled narcissism, bipolar, whatever. It doesn't really change the work you have to do if you are sure that you're understanding what kind of toxicity you're dealing with. You know what I mean? So the, the label is, is the drama. You know, instead of I was with this fucking you know, selfish dick who did A, B, C, D. It sounds way better to be like, he was a narcissist, you know, like dramatic <laughs> people, you know? Yeah, I, I guess I, I it's it. come to that, but I think actually it's good to describe it. Um, I think that makes it more significant, but somehow we've gotten to this point where it's not even the description of what they did that means anything. It's the label that right. you're putting yeah. on it. It's yeah. so interesting. How do you think we got, it got so trendy am i allowed to say that how did we get here buzzword (laughs) well a buzzword yes excuse me i think it is genuinely prevalent in society i think i think Mm -hmm. we are we are getting sort of a nitrous charge into it with social media and capitalism when you think about i mean when you just think about the idea and i think i might have talked to you guys about this before when we were talking in the beginning but like um customer service like we live in America and we understand what it means to be in the service industry per se. So you go into the service industry, you're a waiter, you're a cab driver, you're dealing with customers per se. Now capitalism's number one rule is what? The customer is always right. Bingo. So we <laughs> all understand that, which means if we join into the service industry, we all go into this frame where we start to act other than we actually feel. We start to pretend to be nice because that's what good customer service people do because they learn to be nice in spite of bad behavior. Mm -hmm. So now you're telling an entire society of capitalistic customers, you can be however you want, as long as you'll give us your money. Yeah. Wash, rinse and repeating that over and over and over, over and over and over. So, and we know it if you're, that's why so many people who have been in the service industry say everyone should be in the service industry at one point in their life. So they understand that empathy of the other side of that perspective. Yeah. Um, and that's why, because it's like, you know, that you're pretending to be nice, even though you might've had a bad day because you don't want to ruin their lunch and hopefully they'll tip you things like that. But at the same time, it's not genuine, right? They're not at your house. They tell mm-hmm. you that your job, we want to treat our customers like they're guests in our home. And I go, great. What about when they act like a dick? If it's my home, I'm going to kick them out. Yeah. Can I do that? No, 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 no. don't do that. Tell them <laughs> no. very sorry for their experience and, get, and apologize to them for them not being allowed to do whatever the fuck they want in your house and then somehow get them to come back. That's customer service. And that's, yeah. we've been spoiling ourselves with capitalism for decades. Yeah. So it's not a surprise narcissism comes out. Now you got social media and a bunch of people shaking their butts and doing all sorts of things and people going, awesome. It's like putting gasoline on a fire, genuinely. Like it's, you know, we're narcissism, like we've said, is, is, a, is a natural part of humanity. Okay. Yeah. So you think but it has become if more If we prevalent. give too much juice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But For then sure. do you know anything as far as percentages of what the population as, um, what percentage of the population is actually narcissist and maybe it doesn't matter, but do you happen to know? Well, right. no, because there's no realistic way to measure. Okay. Okay. Got yeah. it. You um, know what I mean? Like yeah. there's, it's, it's such a subjective thing and, and, and true narcissists don't go to, to get therapy. I they're not, they're not racing their hands say to that. get counted. 
I was you know just I mean? going to so, say that. How many narcissists like go to get diagnosed? No, because mm-hmm. they don't need help. They're perfectly fine. Yeah, why would they? You need help. You They're need help. It's everyone else around them. That's what they think. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. So you help people like in these situations, like a recognize what's going on and what, what else do you help people with? Like, what are the struggles that you're seeing? And are, and also perhaps what are you hearing on TikTok from people about their struggles? Well, that's one thing for sure. TikTok, uh, the response I've gotten on TikTok has been validating for all the people who are talking to each other in my lives and in the comment sections and extraordinarily validating for me as well. Um, you know, like I was, I had confidence in myself, but like I said, confidence is believing in yourself and arrogance is expecting others to. So I, I didn't believe or expect anyone to, to agree with me, but I, I believed in what I was saying and it worked out, but I was still scared. Yeah. Um, and the response has been overwhelming with this is my, you know, I, I make a, a video about say <laughs> gaslighting and it's comments like, this is my mother. This is my father. This is my ex. I wish I had known this six months ago, seven months ago, six years ago, 20 years ago. Where were you? I, you know, thank you so much. This is so helpful that you have simplified this in a way that now I can, I, it's, it's giving people their validation back that they're not crazy because it's simplifying the shit down in a way that's like, okay, yeah, that thing, you know, yeah. we're, we're, you can feel like you're drowning. That's what it feels like when you're in that moment. Like you're just yeah. barely getting a real breath every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and so the TikTok videos have proven to sort of be that for a lot of people. When I'm doing an individual session or I'm working with someone individually, mostly it's just about in the beginning at its basic is about you actually being heard for the first time, maybe, you know, having someone who I don't want to interrupt you. I, I want you to talk. I want you to share. I'm only going to ask you questions so that I understand your story better. Much like if I was watching a movie next to the director and be like, okay, wait, I didn't quite get what happened in that scene. Why mm-hmm. did they do that? And then the director can go, well, because of this. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? And then that's, yeah. I get to enjoy to a certain degree that story that you're, and so many people have these amazing stories and that's sort of this amazing paradox. Everyone, I went through this and they were this awful. And I was for years and years and years. Um, and the people who are away from it now, but they're still carrying it. I always want to look at them like that's a freaking Oscar caliber movie of triumph. Yeah, you didn't die. You're still here. You survived all that. Oh, yeah, it has an effect. Such goosebumps. You know, and most often we're like, our life is fucked up now because of it. It's like, no. If that was true, it'd be over. But now you know, you know? like you know so much more, and. Yeah you can make the choice to like never let that happen again. Oh yeah. Sometimes right. I guess you have to go through it, I suppose, but I can do- experience yeah, I can leads yeah. to wisdom. Yes. Right. Information think- isn't necessarily wisdom. Experience is what teaches us like, Oh, okay. I don't like that, that but I it happened. Like yeah. More of that. Oh man. Um, oh, and there was, I forgot what was the other thing. Um, when it comes down to, this idea of self-righteous victimhood, mm-hmm. right? What happened to you was bad. Like they did, no, no need to take away that validation like it happened, right? Yeah. And so quite often we get stuck in the denial stage of going through the stages of like, 
grief, more or less. Like at the end of a relationship, it's more or less the same as a death. You need to go to the, through the stages of grief, mm-hmm. right? Denial, negotiating, all that shit, all the way through to acceptance, which is what most people are telling you to try to hack to at the end every time. You got to let it go. It's like, yeah, okay. But there's some shit you got to do before that, which is why you're stuck. Usually yeah. you're stuck in the denial stage. And the the denial stage is that shouldn't have happened because blame reason. Now, if you've got a really good blame reason because that person lied or whatever it is, right? You've got a good, it's good, it's real. So everyone goes, fuck. And they say, that's messed up that that happened to you. Mm -hmm. That's your dopamine hit. That's your drug as a victim, is that comfort. And you can stay there for a moment and go, see, I'm not crazy but you still haven't mm-hmm. done anything. You just pointed the figure of blame and then somebody gave you comfort. And that comfort becomes the drug that gets you trapped in your victimhood. So mm-hmm. putting things like narcissists and more dramatic labels onto it gives you bigger hits of comfort dopamine because you're more dramatic. Your story is more of a victim. So people are more empathetic. Yeah. So you can see how it gets, like we're learning. It's, it's it, again, it's adding gas to a different kind of fire. Yeah, that is such a fascinating explanation of it. So, yeah. uh, and it's how do easy to get trapped get there because <laughs> you're right. Well, that's what we say about letting go of it to be right. Good for you. Now what? Yeah. Like yeah. genuinely, you figured it out. You were right. It's over. Fucking badass. Mm-hmm. Now what? Like mm-hmm. you've got to start doing things, even if the entire world agrees that what happened to you is bad the entire world isn't going to show up and do shit for you yeah yeah like your life is still up to you unfortunately (laughs) no it's fortunate i gained a lot of independence (laughs) from it but yeah yeah, for sure (laughs) it's adulting right that's yeah nobody's saying it's fun but that's part of the game sure you don't get to you don't get to tap out yeah. yeah, especially when you're starting, you know, from scratch, like I did, you do, you have to figure everything out. And if you don't, you're just going to stay there. What repeat the same thing again, yeah. or just stay in the squalor and, mm. you know, victim depression <laughs> state for ages. No. no, right. So when I'm doing sessions mm. and it's just, you get a chance to share all that stuff, you get that validation. Sometimes that's really all you need is to actually say what you've been trying to say to so many people who haven't been able to properly listen because they got their shit or they got a bias in your thing or they're going to give you advice or they don't care or, 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 or. So finally you find somebody, hopefully you have a friend who can actively listen. That's ideal. If you don't, then a therapist, you know, or like that kind of thing. But once you're able to really genuinely get out your stuff and you feel heard and validated, you're not crazy you made a mistake. You're not broken. You just got a little lost and confused. You fell off the bike. You fell off the horse. It happens. Mm -hmm. Let's get you back up on it Mm because there's still more fun and stuff to go ride. Still going to be dangerous. Might fall off again, but that's how it works. A good therapist will get you back on your horse. And and coaching, I have to say that all three of us coach as well. And this is a lot of what coaching is about uh, as well as making, I mean, especially with breakups, you know, we talk about this all the time, but you get to the point where, you know, your friends and family don't want to hear about it. Your coach is going to be the perfect, um, you know, person to support you through kind of, I guess, the middle area where you still need to process, still need to let go. Um, But it's maybe time to go outside of your circle a little bit. Yeah. Right. And even though nobody else should really have an opinion about your life choices and what you want to do, sadly, people in your life do. 
Yeah, um, they do. <laughs> and, uh, and a therapist doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. a simple fact. It's like your mom had dreams and aspirations for you. She shouldn't have because mm-hmm. that's not her place, though it's your life. Like when parents think, I hope my kid is A, B, C, D, F, G, that's being selfish. Sorry, you don't get to make those choices for them. Mm-hmm. Like you don't get to, you don't own your kid. You're responsible for raising them until they're an adult. That's mm-hmm. how that works. You never own them. Even when they're a kid, you don't own them. You know how you yeah. know you don't own them? Because they don't listen to you. You don't, they don't obey. It takes work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know? and, your music to my ears. <laughs> you know, like little podcasts. kids have free will too. So an adult mm-hmm. with free will don't need to care what mom thinks. But yeah. moms, dads, friends, partners love to condition us to think that their opinion about our life choices should be valued above our own even which is sort of amazing when you think about it, because I guarantee they would not accept that from someone trying to do that to them. Yeah, especially as grownups. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and also it's like, is your life going exactly how you wanted it to? Right, walk your walk, inspire your kids (laughs) to follow you. If you're a good parent, you're living your life well and your kids are like, I'm inspired by that. That's different than like, I'm angry because the life fucked me up and blah, 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 and being Mm -hmm. a parent was hard. I didn't find my dreams because I raised you instead. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. No. <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. well, I'm not going to do that then. Whatever you're doing, I'm not going to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so many people I've met through my life who are like, I live my life in contrast to my parents, you know? And it's like, this is like, your manifesto is that I'm not going to be my mom, like, or I'm not going to be my dad is like, oh no, like be your own person. You're still like, you're still interdependent at that point. But anyway. And it's still one of those false dichotomy type of things as well. Like I'm, you can't just simply say, I'm not like them. If you, again, we're talking about the sliders on the spectrum, right? And the other side of narcissism is extreme toxic codependency. So I'm not like my narcissistic mom might mean if you go too far, yeah. I'm a nox, I'm, I'm not like her on the complete opposite end, but I'm just as bad to the people in my life and, and myself. Uh-huh. So like trying too hard not to be somebody else is trying to move your sliders around in relation to other people's sliders. It starts to sound crazy when you start to think about it. Like, yeah. I, I even, <laughs> what, you know what I mean? Like, huh? Like it's never going to work. You've got to find your own balance points. And when other people are trying to tell you where your balance points are, trust your instincts Yeah, because you, you know, where you feel okay. Yeah. And they'll get used to it too. That's the thing. Like, I think we've both had this, like we've talked about it where we would like ask people for advice and try to figure out like what everyone thought we should do. And then we end up being like, I know what I want to do, but now this person has told me what I should do. And Mm -hmm. they're going to feel bad if I don't Mm -hmm. take the advice. And guess what? Every time I like ignore someone's advice and just do what I decided was going to be best is they're like oh good for you like they didn't actually care that much (laughs) you know like they're like cool glad you figured that out like I and it works it works you know when you trust yourself it does work not all the time but it sure as hell does sometimes it's amazing what we've come to think of it like intermittent reinforcement we've come to think of it like gambling like Mm -hmm. if we're lucky it'll work out but it's not gambling. You have way more control over that stuff than gambling. Yeah. But we still give it that level of like, I hope I don't fumble it. 
but it's yeah. like okay learn to handle that better kind of like learn get stronger faster better with your mental clarity and your emotional balance like it takes work you're gonna get knocked down angry sad depressed yeah, yeah and rerouted and up. yes yeah it yeah. Does, does take a lot of work I used to weigh in have every person in my life weigh in on like every little thing that I did yeah. and when it when I first started I mean I was compulsive about it and when I first decided enough is enough I know the first couple times some things came up this urge to grab my phone was like over like well mean I felt so uncomfortable oh. not to talking to anyone about it but i am so much better off for it yeah i totally get it you know one thing a a nice analogy that really helped me see this sort of habit clearly for myself is thinking about playing like role-playing games video games you know the really complicated ones like i don't know final fantasy or something where you get a lot of individual choices for your character right your avatar now your avatar when you're playing a game like that is just you And think about how much freedom and trust in your own instincts to play with that you give yourself, right? Suddenly you're not worried. It reset. Like you've got this free pass. There's a, you can get an extra life. So suddenly you really start making choices that are more geared towards you, right? You don't play an RPG that, so you hope other people think you're playing your RPG well, like you're going to make the choices in your game based on your own instincts because you're not as afraid of failure because it's a game you can lose those instincts though when you're with a narcissist which is what my problem was (laughs) you didn't know you couldn't hear your intuition for anything so you gotta retrain yourself um so if you are in a, a, a toxic or relationship or a relationship with possibly a narcissist Mm. what do you do how do you get out should you get out yeah and safety it's Mm. yeah it's a very 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 complicated thing um you have to dial in whether or not you're dealing with children in a marriage um that complicates things and it changes the landscape quite a bit but Mm-hmm. setting that aside for the moment um we're talking about in general toxic relationships that don't have that as a as a glue um if you're if you are you know at all certain and you're trusting your instincts the bottom line is that you have to ask yourself is how long have you been unhappy mm-hmm. how long have you been trying um mm. and if you can't if you can't answer that question in a way that you're okay with and maybe you will right we'll keep making excuses until we're willing to actually look at it and that's why i don't like to say move out now it's like no just start being more honest with yourself i know it's gonna hurt it's mm-hmm. not fun it prickles it tickles it itches um because you have to take a little bit of responsibility for ignoring stuff or not being strong enough to say no times when you know damn well you wanted to and that's what I mean about being honest. The, the problem that we do is we add guilt and shame after we have these realizations yeah. about ourselves, like we're parents scolding ourselves. And that's just not healthy. That means every time we think about those memories, we're, we're shaming ourselves. That means mm-hmm. that somebody had done that. Most likely, unfortunately, sadly, parents have a very bad habit of teaching with guilt and shame. Don't ever do that again. What would I do if something happened to you? Mm-hmm. What are you telling a child at that moment? My feelings about your safety are more important than your safety. Mm. You should feel guilty that you scared me. Yeah. What? No, (laughs) that's you. You should be dealing with your fear. Don't pick it and spick it on your kids. Don't do that because you might die is valid information for your child. 
Mm-hmm. It's my job to keep you alive. Totally. I'm trying to teach you. That yeah. wasn't safe. Please don't do that. None of that has anything to do with you. It has yeah. everything to do with teaching them. When you add the guilt on, suddenly the kid goes, fuck. And then of course, mm-hmm. yeah, when they do something dangerous, they feel guilty because mom might get mad. And then what happens? You don't tell your parents shit anymore. Yeah. Yep. Been there. <laughs> Been there. Still there. <laughs> and we do that to ourselves. When we fuck up, you're, we've been trained, conditioned to every time we make a mistake, add a little guilt to make it stick. No, hard pass. Fuck that. <laughs> so try to look past the guilt and shame. Yeah. Um, and then what? Just look at this stuff. I really like to try to say, look at it almost like a math problem or dissecting it like a map. Take out for a minute. I'm not saying we're abandoning emotion because holy crap, it's important. I agree. But like mm-hmm. one thing at a time and below the emotion are the beliefs that are causing them. Uh, yeah. And we need to be able to look at that honestly without all the shame and guilt getting in there and clouding us because then we get lost in that. And we get sad and we ruminate about memories and I should have and I could have and I wish I would have. Mm-hmm. Instead of just going, had I not done this, had I said no, at that moment, I wouldn't have gone through that. Now, it doesn't mean you can go back and change it. You learned your lesson, but that's what it means to learn the lesson is to recognize that moment when if you had done that. So in the future, boom, you're in another moment that's like that. You don't need to feel guilt or any of that shit. There are just no reason for that to be there. It's just pinging your memory as long as you give it a strong hook. And that's just being comfortable looking at yourself. Trust me, letting go of scolding yourself for not doing your job right as your life Mm -hmm. or whatever the hell it is, is extraordinarily empowering and freeing because guess what? Nobody does it right. What the hell does that mean anyway? Mm -hmm. So it's too much expectation for perfection. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes people can get stuck in a situation like, oh, well, like I've invested like three years into this. So like now I have to like stick it out because, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm in my thirties. Yes. I'll never find some, you know, like that's the quicksand mentality. Absolutely. And it's also a scarcity mindset. Yeah. That, that means that you don't have enough confidence in yourself to be attractive enough to meet a new partner. There's mm-hmm. 8 billion people on earth. <laughs> Like do the numbers realistically, give your, you you don't have to like make yourself into a narcissist and think you're banging or whatever. It doesn't matter, but you come on, stop beating yourself up. Again, it's with all that shame and emotion, be realistic. You know what I mean? You've had dates with other people. You have other people have invested. There will be more. That is life. The only reason that stops is if you stop, if you quit, if you bail out, if you tap out, Mm -hmm. you know, when you do decide to leave. Yeah. Do you, sometimes we hear that people believe that they need to really make it known to the other person how horrible they've been. What do you think <laughs> like about They that? need to know what they mm-hmm. did to me. That's oh, a big one. do they? That's yeah. yeah. They need. There you huh. go. They need. Hmm. Who are we working on? Who are we working on? Who is yeah, that for? Answer. Is it for Who them? Is or is it for you? Is that for you and your, and your spite and you want to get your just a victim? I get it. That's your revenge. Mm-hmm. That's your fuck you. That's your punch in the face as you're walking out, more or less. Yeah. But they don't give a shit. You're wasting <laughs> your breath. It's like one last <laughs> hard bang against the brick wall. Good for you. Mm. But it doesn't work. It never has. I've talked no. to tons of clients. Everyone tries it. It's pointless. If you try to end a relationship 
respectfully and as an adult with a toxic, childish, selfish person, is it surprising that it doesn't work out the way you're planning it to? Because they're not no. going to go and play the game the same way. Yeah. They're not going to suddenly at the end become the person you were hoping they would be. Yeah. You're not going to change them. Yeah. Let them figure their shit out. Like, like the sooner you tap out, the less damage they're going to do to you. Perfect. Let them be them. Like the best way to win a fight is not be there. Sometimes we think, oh my gosh, that means that I'm being a coward. A lot of guys have a hard time with that, especially like running away or walking away. It's not about walking away. It's about knowing where not to be. Yeah. So like in this, you know, and you're talking about a narcissist, not being there isn't a physical thing. It's a mental choice. I'm not going to mentally join in where you are in this competitive game thing anymore. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Cause even if you win the battle, there's going to be casualties, you know? And then yep. another battle. Trust yeah. me. Trust me. <laughs> it never ends. Just don't show yeah. up. Yeah. It's quicksand. It's a black <laughs> hole. It's all designed to keep you going. Cause when you engage with a toxic person, that is the supply that makes them keep going. Not how you engage, just if you. Yeah. Let them find someone else to engage with. Them. Torture. Right. Yeah. That's why boundaries are sort of like, like well-maintained healthy boundaries are are narc armor they really are yeah you know what i mean Mm. saying no comfortably without feeling guilt i get it codependence i get it fucking hard fucking hard especially when we could i do have enough time i do like you i could do this um uh, i have no real reason to say no other than i don't really want to yeah (laughs) yes (laughs) or else i said i would even though you've changed your mind yeah Yeah. Mm. right you know, yeah. then guilt, then we add the guilt, the guilt. Why do we do that? I don't know. It's yeah. not helpful. Mm. Yeah, I, It is helpful sometimes. I shouldn't go again. I don't like to go in extremes. Guilt is a valid emotion that it should be there when you make a legitimate mistake and you understand that you need to make recompense. I fucked yeah. up. I feel genuinely guilty. Mm-hmm. That's real. But telling someone else that they should feel guilty I would caution against doing that ever. Oh, it, it kind of like reminds Not me. Not never, but yeah. you know, most, almost never kind of, you yeah. know, like very, very rare occasions. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that whole, like uh, you hear about these conversations happening where it's like, um, well, I, I only said that because you did this and, <laughs> right. you know, like it's, it's the kind chicken of like, and the egg. Blame yeah, me. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, I what? love that one. <laughs> um, so how can, you know, so someone has made the really, you know, scary decision. They've been brave. They've gotten out. How do you heal? Like, how do you start like, you know, delineating what is acceptable behavior from partners what is unacceptable behaviors or family members or friends you know well it's 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 deceptively simple yet not you know what i mean um yeah it speaks to this sort of deep philosophy we've all said of like knowing yourself now that you've ended a relationship with someone now that you're just you again although technically you always are but mentally you're just you again And you kind of feel drained, empty or whatever, broken to pieces. There's a bunch of different ways that we sort of describe that. Uh, Deflated, destroyed, rock bottom, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Healing is what we want, right? We don't like 
feeling that way. Of course we don't. It sucks. It's not a pleasant emotion. We all agree. That's why we're all complaining about it. However, it is in that negative emotion where the lesson still needs to be learned. That's why you're mm-hmm. feeling it, right? Yeah. Because you understand, and you know how you know this is true, is think of a time when you genuinely did let something go. And I know you've at least done it once. What were you letting go of? It was that emotion part that kept it locked there, Yeah. right? And then you learned your lesson. Now you don't feel so upset about it. It doesn't trigger you anymore. You've yeah. let it go, but you still remember the information. Yeah. The emotional pain goes away when you genuinely own it and learn it. Now that doesn't mean you could just flip a switch. It takes reminding yourself because you've also been conditioned, abused, and confused. Yeah. So it's this, it's like going to the gym and doing push-ups to get stronger arms. It really is. You've got to give yourself the time to rebuild up who you are. You're gonna put your your pieces back together, but you're smarter. It's a transition, it's a transition period. And the hard part, quite often when we're in an abused situation is that we are, at least I can speak for myself, I'm very toxically codependent. Like I really needed the external validation. I needed the, I needed acceptance mm-hmm. to feel like I was okay. At every party, I felt like I was the goober in the, in the side of the room. And if I did something, people were going to laugh at me and like, wish I wasn't there. Like I had a whole, all of that shit, like, oh, he's so annoying. You know, that was what my problem was. So as soon as I'm away, that codependency isn't gone, right? That's for me to deal with. That's always yeah. been there. And suddenly drama's gone, right? Drama's gone and loneliness sets in with boredom. Mm. And impatience at that extreme discomfort starts pushing us to look for someone new. Yeah, this is such like a daily part of our lives as breakup coaches. Yeah. Yes, this right? this phase right here. Yeah, yeah. So it's so important, and this is why counseling patients is such an annoying thing. I know it. It annoys me to say it. It annoys me to think it for myself. But it's true. You don't decide how fast any of your wounds heal. Your physical ones. You don't. You you can do things to speed up the process. But you can't really decide how long it's going to take until even a cut on your arm has healed properly. And you also mm-hmm. understand how hard it is to let it heal properly, how much you have to leave it alone yeah. and let time. And it, Same it thing just... works for this stuff, right? <laughs> when, you're, when you're ruminating and constantly stuck in the memory of how toxic that relationship, how I wish it would have been this thing, how you can't let go, that's itching your wound. Mm. You know what I mean? Instead of doing what you know is right, getting it there, maybe doing eating right, whatever it is to help your body heal faster. If you want to continue with that analogy, that's mm-hmm. what it is. Don't, we can't, well, you get stuck in the, in the victim place instead of the I'm broken. And now it's in remodel mode. Instead of thinking like you're shattered into pieces, it's not that you're shattered into pieces, the choices you made, the plan you had, the thing you were working on that got fucked up. Mm-hmm. You're fine. You rebuild. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a big difference. And we usually internalize and personalize and take way too much shit personally in general. Like yeah. I give you my personal opinion, my idea, right? My idea about a movie and you don't like it. You don't like my idea, not me. Well, so good. We've covered a lot of territory in this. Was there anything that you think people just need to know about this topic in general that you want to make sure we include? Work towards this idea of being alone, but not lonely. Yeah. Um, being alone means 
you have complete control over everything you're going to do with your life, right? Mm -hmm. So you have less excuses, less responsibilities, so more freedom. Uh, if you can get to a point where you're comfortable with what you're doing, right? It's the same thing, you know, I'm this, doing this, and I'm happy with this. Then you open yourself up to a partner. The goal mm -hmm. should never be finding someone. The goal should be being who you are. Along the path of genuinely chasing your passion, aren't you more likely to find people compatible than finding <laughs> them first and then going and trying to do your passion? It doesn't make a lot of sense at all, but we're no. lonely and society keeps pushing it. Movies say it's great. It's romance. We want that too. We want sex. We want intimacy. We want connection. Yeah. But it's supposed to come after you work on yourself Incredible. and people are trying to skip it. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. high school kids are playing relationships. They're not having them. Yeah, that's true. I would, I mean, I'm from personal experience, I'd say yes. <laughs> oh, amazing. That's what I was doing. So where would you most like to send people to find out more about your wisdom and your work and what you're more bringing these, to the world? More of these truth bombs. Wisdom. <laughs> I love about wisdom. Well, <laughs> thank you. Uh, find me on TikTok for sure. That's where I'm most active in general. Uh, the mm -hmm. nitty gritty is my, is my TikTok handle. I am going to be having a meeting this Thursday to revamp, update my website, which is also the nitty gritty.com. But if you want to connect with me for coaching, then usually Instagram is the, is the easiest for most people. Uh, find me there, follow me, the nitty gritty. Again, it's always the nitty gritty. I'm trying to be consistent here. So I'm easy to find. You should That's see good. the same little emoji icon that I drew. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, you drew that. Are... Oh, cute. We have <laughs> loved this talk. Yeah. This was very fantastic. And I know that it's going to help a lot of people. I know that your work is going to help a lot of people. And so we thank you for, you know, being willing to share it with the world and get it out there and, you know, help others benefit from it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've had a blast too. I've had a spec. It's been spectacular. I loved it. Awesome. Let's keep it going. This is a very good connection between the three of us. So, and thank Absolutely. you to everyone who listened in and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to X-Files, a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. If you like this episode, tag us on your Instagram story so we can connect with you. And you can find me, Claire, on Instagram at Claire Lottas. And me, Janice, on Instagram at Janice Formicella. If you'd like to join our online community, find us on Facebook at Breakups, Broken Hearts, and Moving On.